Hello, and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey, while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co-host, B from Core and Flora Store, and this is the Great Birth Rebellion. You can subscribe to our podcast from your favorite podcast platform and also to our mailing list. For those on our mailing list, we'll email out the reference list and some full text research articles from every episode. So join now at melaniethemidwife.com. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. I'm Melanie Jackson, and thank you for joining B and myself for our very first podcast episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Today, you'll get to meet us as we interview each other about ourselves. <laughs> Hi, B. Hi, Mel. Get, get excited, listeners. What you're hearing today is literally us getting to know each other. It's like yes. our first coffee date. You're, you're invited to our first date. Totally. And when I was thinking about I want to start this podcast, but I need a co-host because it's going to sound really dorky with just me talking to myself, I couldn't. I kept thinking about B, but I also thought don't be an idiot and randomly just contact some Instagram personality and ask them if they want to be on your podcast. So it took me ages. And then when I finally did, B was like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> so, I mean, my first question to you, B, is why the heck would you agree to co-host a podcast with a complete stranger? I think you need to tell everyone the full details, Mel. Mel messaged and had this incredible idea for a podcast and I wrote back, yes, as long as I don't have to do any of the work. So so, uh, everyone out there, what you're hearing every week is all of Mel's research and (laughs) and hard work and I agreed, well, because I've always adored you, like even in uh, like at the normal birth conference when I met you, like I knew of you. I knew you, you were doing things that, I really respected. You were doing research that I respected. You were working with women and colleagues that I adored as friends. I love what you've done in the midwifery space. And so I was really honored and kind of blown away. And essentially what this is going to be is really fucking epic education for student midwives, midwives, and families. And to be able to provide that to the world for free, like it's orgasmic for me. Like that's that's my that's my clitoral jam. <laughs> Magic. Okay, we're going to have to start a dictionary uh, and it'll be beisms and let the record yeah. show. I normally say all I normally say all good in the clitoral hood. That's been all my new good. saying okay, lately, but I do have a lot of sayings. So. Right, all good in the clitoral hood and was it clitoral jam? No, I, I don't think we do clitoral jam. I think we'll get rid of that one. That's why I wanted to do a podcast with you. That's why I said yes. But, yeah, really, it's like 75%. Oh, look, let's be honest, 83% Mel, 17% me. So one thing I want to do, well, you talk about bottoms a lot and anuses, which we'll get to later. I'm very interested about itchy anuses. (laughs) Um, I don't know why, but I just remember seeing a video. Oh, are you asking for a friend, Mel? (laughs) (laughs) Get out. 
seeing an Instagram video of you just like scratching the bot bot of a little mannequin. And I just thought, I need to put the sound on. What is she doing? And then I smelt my fingers. Yes, you smelt your fingers. <laughs> and then you asked people if they were finger sniffers. Was it you that posted when I put the picture of what your vulva looks like when it's scared and relaxed? Was that yes. you that commented the best thing on the internet? Or so you I said, asked, what is this? I asked who let you on the internet. You said <laughs> people pay me to be here. But so let's let's introduce ourselves, B. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, look. Where do you, okay, this is the first question. Where do you live? In Queensland. I have lived all over though. So I'm originally from where you're from, really. Which is I grew up in Londonderry between Richmond and Penrith. <laughs> but now I'm up in sunny, uh, sunny, rainy coast Queensland. And that's how we know each other, kind of, because I live in the Blue yeah. Mountains. I didn't grow up in the Blue Mountains, but we have friends who are in the Penrith area which is how we know those people and those people know us. So there's one mm. degree of separation. Well, so I studied things- at UTS in Sydney. Oh. I did a Bachelor of Midwifery in the UTS and Joe Hunter, who is a good friend of yes. both of us, who made birth time, uh, her and I studied together. And then we were lectured by Hannah Darlin, who was your professor. She was my PhD supervisor and we worked in private practice Hannah and I for many many years yes that would mean then you've been a midwife for 13 years yeah I and I count my student years because they're really important I and another midwife of mine or student midwife at the time two of us were awarded the first positions called assistant in midwifery we were Ames and we were the first two people in the country New South Wales was the first one to trial it um, where we got to be um, assistants in midwifery and so I basically would work like three or four shifts a week and I got to do booking in visits on my own. I got to work antenatal ward. So I did a lot of care. And I think this is why I am so beautiful at caring for people whose babies have passed because I did a lot of um, terminations and um, cared for people who who were mourning and experiencing the loss of a babe. So I did a lot of work on antenatal ward. I did a lot of work on postnatal and I would do lots of night shifts. So I got to do all the good stuff and I so by the time I graduated I had like five times more experience and it's because I had all those extra hours of experience but I wasn't confident with birth because I think like the first birth I did I was like pressing the button every time because they just leave you in there right and like I could see like a strain of hair and I just like kept pressing the assist button she was like she was like their baby's not coming anytime soon. Like, why are you calling me in here? And I was like, can you please just stay with me? Like, a baby's about to be born. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> like, I know I'm registered, but I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, because I did a graduate diploma in midwifery. So we actually had to work four days a week as we mm. were employed as a student midwife for an entire year. So mm. four shifts a week, one day a week at uni. I guess that first year was, yeah, our first year of midwifery, just like with you working as an AIM. Yeah. And I just think like students are just so amazing. Yeah. I totally count my student years because I learned so much. So I was a student in 2007, so we're up to 15 years. Beautiful. What are you up to? What am I? Well, so 14 years of midwifery total. 
Um, but I've spent all of my midwifery career as a private practice midwife. I mm. worked for that year as a student midwife in hospital. But then as straight after graduating, I was out doing home births and private practice, which is really unusual. Wow. Yeah. So I don't have any current hospital experience. So I have basically only done full continuity of care. Right. It's never been disjointed for me. It's always been mm. knowing the, the women's full story. I book them in. I, you know, we go through the antenatal journey together. I'm there at their birth and then I'm the one doing their postnatal care at the end up to six weeks. So, you know, when they talk about gold standard, I feel like I've just grown up in it and also learnt so much about true physiological pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Which is you have true midwifery skills, right? Like that's true midwifery. And if we look at how birth has been cared for for the last 60,000 years, that's what women have had. Yeah, but um, so, I, so you were a nurse first. So how did you get into midwifery and what was your career like before that? Mm. So before I was a nurse, which I only became a nurse to become a midwife. So I when I left school, I became a naturopath. So I did three years Bachelor of Health in naturopathy and then decided, I was like, oh, I'd love to specialise in women and babies as a naturopath. And then I was like, oh, midwifery, but how do you get into midwifery? And so when I phoned and talked, actually I spoke to UTS and I was like, I want to do the Bachelor of Midwifery. I don't want to be a nurse. It wasn't in line in my philosophy. Then they said, well, no, you can't have any credits for your previous degree. You've already got a bachelor, but you have to do all the subjects again. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to get another bachelor. And I already had in my mind that maybe I would have an academic career at some point. And so I did a master's of nursing. And then as soon as I finished that, I went in and did the um, the graduate diploma of midwifery. And so it totaled three years of study. So I never planned on being a nurse. I always wanted to actually pair midwifery and naturopathy. And then what happened was is I fell in love with midwifery and I was trying to do both at the same time and eventually just fell more in love with midwifery and pursued that full time while I did my PhD and um, we set up a group practice. And while I was doing my PhD, I mentioned to Hannah Darlin, I'm setting up this, I want to set up this private practice like group practice. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm in. I was like, what? <laughs> I wasn't going to invite you. Like I thought she had a really good thing. <laughs> you know, like she was Hannah Darling. You're not invited Hannah Darling. <laughs> it was because of my own short failings. I was like, who am I to presume that Hannah Darling would want to work in a group practice with me? Like as if I'm like, <laughs> what? Why? Why would you want you know, so she's like, yeah, I'm in. So while I was doing my PhD, Hannah and I, and actually two other midwives, my other two mm -hmm. midwifery mentors, Robin Dempsey and Jane Palmer, again, I'd run this, I ran this group. I invited every private midwife that I knew and said, basically, I want to start this group practice with private midwives. So basically we're all here to support each other and our clients. And like, we're all doing this together. Like let's all survive. And I actually, again, it was similar with Robin and Jane. I saw them as like they already had their shit together. They did not need me in their lives. 
And um, all these midwives came and most of them were like, no, we're not in. We don't want this kind of way of working. And so then I get this phone call from Robin, who was my mentor. She, you know, she taught me how to be a private midwife. She's like, um, so me and Jane want to be in your group practice. I was like, what? What? You don't need me. And then boom, like I was there with Hannah Darlin. And then the two, some of the most experienced private midwives in like my area. And we were in a group practice. I mean, I was like, what? <laughs> How did I land here? So, you know, I can really attribute my current situation to the love and investment of Hannah Darlin and Robin Dempsey and Jane Palmer. I still have a clique of midwives who we just like rely on each other. I think that's the trick to midwifery is finding your people mm-hmm. um, that will love you and invest in you. And then when you're in a position, then you love and invest in other people around you because that's how midwives are going to survive. It's not like this you know, midwives eat their young mentality, which is what I was told too. It was like midwives eat their young. I'm like, oh, great. What a survival strategy to like mm-hmm. actually have a culture of tearing each other down. Mm-hmm. So I intentionally uh, build a culture and and engage with midwives who build me up and who mm-hmm. I can build up. And anybody who doesn't fit that description, if I at all feel torn down or disrupted in someone's presence, I just go, do you know what? You're just, you're not my people. So for those who who are listening to this who aren't midwives or don't know who Hannah Darlin is, like in terms of midwifery, she's like, she's like, you know, one of the queens, um, you know, she's, she's very respected. She's done incredible research, incredible practice. She's like got an order of Australia. She is one of the most approach, approachable people ever. And, you know, she's always been like that with me. She's been like that with you. She'll be that like that with everyone. And, you know, I remember seeing you start that practice and I knew all the others, like I knew Jane, I knew Hannah and I was like, and I knew Robin and like, you could, cause they were all the women we idolized. Yeah. And I was like, who's this Melanie Jackson? Right? How do I not know about her? I know about all these other midwives. Mm. She might, like, where has she come from? Yeah. And, and I, I, just, I, I was so jealous because I was like, I want to work in private practice with those midwives. It's like, mm. how, how did you do this? And that is how you that just, how. you know, and that's an idea. Yeah, it's such, such a beautiful, beautiful story and an incredible midwifery journey. It's so nurtured <laughs> and loved and nourished. And I wish every midwife. Yes had that same because how incredible would our maternity care system be if it was all like that? <laughs> I just think everyone needs a midwifery mama and that's who they are. They're like my midwifery mamas yeah. and it's just like, yeah. you know, they gave me so much time. You know, you've got to have these people in your life who is going to, yeah, these people who are going to just like keep you focused. So B, I have another question for you. Uh, do you want me to say how I got into mid? Do you want me to answer that one first? Yeah, how did you get into midwifery? Because mm, I fell into it. I'm an accidental <laughs> midwife. I uh, didn't even know what midwifery was. I was I was a very high achiever in school and got incredible uh, incredible UAI and uh, the pressure that society puts on you when you're deemed as intelligent at school is quite large. Um, but I basically got <laughs> I uh, basically got a scholarship to study sports psychology at uh, CDU in Bathurst. 
Um, and so I knew I loved sport and I love the psychology and really looking at the start of my career and I've pretty much done a full circle with what I'm doing now. It's incredible yeah. how you like come back to it. But so I was studying sports psychology in Bathurst for a year and then um, my girlfriends and I decided we'd go to Utah and um, do a ski season. Um, so we went and I was a ski technician and this family came up and they were like, you're really good with our children. Do you want to move to New York? We've got five. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And yeah, so I came back home, quit uni, quit scholarship. And really I look back at it and I was like, I was so burnt out. Like I had been studying my ass off you know I met them and and you know some of them may like the one of the five kids may listen to this so I've got to be a little bit careful here but they were extremely wealthy like we lived next to LL Cool J my kids did um you know surfing with um Michael J Fox you know we'd go to like Knicks games and sit like just behind um you know, uh, Adam Sandler and Jamie Foxx and like, you know, it was, so I met them and they were like, you know, you ha- you'll have your own like level of our five-story house in New York and we'll go to Spain and we're going to go to Turks and Caicos. And, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm coming. So I like <laughs> went home. <laughs> yeah. I went home. I packed up all my stuff and it was intense. Like we had a, I had my own house in the Hamptons on the water next to theirs for three months of the year I I was like because you know studying sports psychology I was like I'm going to be a career woman my kids are going to be in daycare full-time because I wanted to be a sports psychologist for tennis stars and golf stars but because that's where the money was at and so I was determined to be the best of the best and make the most of the most in terms of money Mm. and then I got to see this incredible world and I was like oh I don't I don't want this. I don't, I don't want money. I don't, I don't want to have kids that don't see me. That year of my pivotal in making who I, who I am today. Yeah. I walked away from that year. Now during my time there, (laughs) I watched meet the fuckers right one night. And at the start of meet the fuckers, he catches a baby. I, I, I mess, I'm, you know, I didn't message my mom because I don't think text messages are around. I probably wrote her a letter, but um, I messaged her and said, I've just watched this movie. I'm going to become an obstetrician. That looks really cool, right? So I watched Meet the Fuckers. It catches a baby in ED. And for some reason I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I watched this Madonna special and she was in Haiti. And I was like, oh, I want to do that in poor countries. And then my mom sent me um, Catherine Hamlin's book, Hospital by the River. Yes, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm just going to move to Ethiopia and do it. That's it. That's yeah. my life. Done. Boom. Yeah. I got back and I applied to do medicine. I was working at Bunnings full time. Um, and I just had this huge anxiety attack in the middle of one of the aisles and I started stripping and I rang my mom and I was like, oh, I can't breathe. Like my chest, like something's, something's really wrong. Like my rib cage is breaking or something. Like I didn't know what it was. And she came down and like met me in the aisle and she was like, like, I was like, by that stage, I was like taking off clothes, like what the fuck is going on? Um, And, and I just remember her calming me down and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do medicine. Because in this time I'd reached out to Catherine Hamlin and she'd written back and I'd messaged her and said, can I come now? And can I study there in Ethiopia? And had she had said, yes, I would have been there. So I was like, okay. So that's why I kind of went into medicine in Australia. Australia, but I it wasn't what I wanted and so I remember being at home and I'd gone to see a careers accounts careers counselor 
you know, she kind of gave me some support, but she didn't know about midwifery. And then literally I was flicking through the UAC book, just kind of like flicking and opening to a page and flicking and opening to a page and it landed on midwifery. And I was like, oh, midwifery, that looks exactly the same as obstetrics. I'll just do that. So yeah, I fell into midwifery and, you know, as a woman at that time, I would have had a private obstetrician and an elective cesarean based on my imprint of what birth was. Mm. And then I was taught by Carolyn Homer and Nikki Leap and Pat Brodie and Hannah Darlin and Ali Tate. They were all my lecturers. Mm. And now I was like, I, I want to be a home birth midwife and yeah. I, I want to have a home birth. And so, yeah, that is how I got into mid. And I was sitting next to Ali Tate on the bus um, up to the home birth um, rally back in 2009 in Canberra Mm -hmm. when home birth was meant to become illegal. So her and I were sitting next to each other. She was like, why don't you go to Darwin? I've just been up there. They've got a birth center. They've got caseload. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I contacted Darwin and they were like, we don't have any new grad positions, but you can just come and work here. And I was like, okay. And so I packed out my little RAV4 and I drove to Darwin without knowing anyone. And then, yeah, my career. So I've done, I worked in Alice Springs um, as a remote outreach midwife that time that I did that role was incredible. Like I'd sit with one woman under a tree outside and do antenatal education. I was like, wow, midwifery can be so much. Like there is so much that you can do. And and I learned so much from Aboriginal women. Like they, they were so kind to me in what they, where they took me and what they taught me. And, but I missed birth. So I came back to Alice Springs and they've got what I still consider the best continuity of care model in a public system. So we, they had uh, continuity of care for women out in um, remote Aboriginal communities, um, but it, and it also had home birth. So it was like it was my dream job. It was, and so I did that for a long time. And then I was like, oh, I'd met my husband in my now husband in Darwin, but so I was trying to figure out how I could work in low income countries and still honour why I'd really gotten into midwifery. And then Australian Volunteers International had jobs, and there was a two year professor or lecturer, it wasn't professor, sorry, it was a lecturer position in Ethiopia. And I applied and I got it and it was a week, a month before our wedding and my husband was like, oh, yeah, so about that, I can't go. Yeah, I just can't go to a city with 90 million people. And I was like, oh, okay. And it just so happened that there was a position in the Solomon Islands, which was on a surf break. So my husband's a surfer and it wasn't the same, but it was midwifery education. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll go there. And in hindsight, it was the biggest blessing. And we got to have this incredible life where we lived on a tiny island with no electricity and no running water and only a pinards and no CGGs and no Dopplers and no scent machines and nothing. And I thought I tra- like I thought I really knew physiological birth and I really knew how strong women were and how resilient babies were. But that year just like smashed it into my face. And then I went from there straight into a massive tertiary referral hospital in Melbourne. And so that was Mm-hmm. It was an epic job and I loved it, but it was so hard for me because I'd gone from one extreme to the other. So I was there and then I had my baby, uh, my first baby, and then we moved to country Victoria and I worked in a GP. Basically, it was a private setting under a public hospital, so mm-hmm. GP obstetricians. Now I'm in the sunny coast running corn for a storm, which I'm sure we'll get to. But So I, unlike you, I've had, I've had it all. But, yeah, and now... We, I have a podcast with you, which is incredible. Yeah, from there, when you didn't even know what midwifery was. Midwifery was. Midwifery. Sure. So I know I've talked forever, but that is, it was a very long story and I got oh. it out. 
Thanks, B. I had no idea. Right. I should throw in there, I do have an honours degree that I've published and I did my research around the Alice Springs midwifery group practice and I have a master's in public health too. Oh, so I, I don't know whether the PhD will happen, but maybe. PhD, so because I have done a PhD mm. and Hannah Dallin was one of my supervisors. So I accidentally fell into a PhD, just like you accidentally fell into midwifery. Um, I remember sitting at like they have a careers day at the end of midwifery where they kind of lay out all your possible options. And a few months before that day, I got called into the office of one of our lecturers and they're like, what are you going to do when you finish midwifery? And I was like, I'm going to be a home birth midwife. What do you mean? She's like, have you considered a postgraduate degree? She's like, what about a PhD? And I said, well, what's that? And she's like, well, you know, it's like this degree and you become a doctor of whatever it is you do a PhD in. I, was, I said to her, no, look, that's not me. That's not, I can't do that. Like, that's not me. And I remember looking at me and she said, have you met some of the idiots doing PhDs? And I was like, no, I really haven't. I haven't met an idiot doing a PhD. I thought that was for smart people. And I didn't realize that I was that person, but everybody else was seeing, like, you should be doing this. I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. So she said, look, just go and see Hannah Darlin. Go and see her. Just talk to her about it. And then we come to this careers day and Hannah's standing up the front going, you could do, you know, higher degree research as a midwife. So I approached her. I was like, look, somebody suggested that I should do a PhD and you seem to know what that is. And she's like, come visit, come see me, bring your transcript. So when I saw her, brought her my transcript, she goes, yep, you should do a PhD. What do you want to do it in? I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't know. So she said, go home, have a think about it. Call me when you have a topic. And then I sat up one night in the middle of the night and just went, birthing outside the system. And I woke my husband up. I'm like, I've got it. I've got it. It's birthing outside the system. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like my PhD, it's birthing outside the system. So the next day I walked into Hannah's office and I said, I've got it. It's birthing outside the system. And she looked at me and her eyes got all wide and she went, yes, it's happening. Good. All right, we'll fill in the paperwork. So there was all this excitement and all this like motivation because I was a home birth midwife and I'm like going to study birth outside the system. And this is my trajectory. And then um, I applied and I didn't get in. I was oh. like, what? What? Okay. Hannah goes, don't worry. She said, don't let this, don't let this discourage you. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, what do we need to do? She goes, right, you are going to be my research assistant this year. So, Hannah, I just graduated midwifery. I was being mentored by Robin uh, to be a home birth midwife and I was taking on these clients. And Hannah's like, you are going to work for me as my research assistant So we did all this research all year and we published papers and I was like sneaking into hospitals and watching women birth for all this research that we were doing. And those Mm. publications and that experience then when I applied the following year, got into the PhD scholarship, Hannah was my supervisor, had had a baby while I was doing my PhD and I was still seeing clients and I lectured a little bit. We need to keep doing this at some point because I do, I have all these other questions that I want to ask you, B. Okay, we should do a two-minute wrap-up. Who is B? What do you do for a living? Your family, like, nutshell, you had to introduce yourself. Okay, so hi, my name's B, uh, short for Bernadette. Most people don't know that. Um, and I'm going to say this here. 
because I always get asked. It's two really interesting stories that I have in my life, but I'm completely deaf in my left ear. And so sometimes I yell. And the reason for that is because I got cytom, what I assume is cytomegalovirus when I was seven. And so I got a really high fever and the nerves were killed. That side of my face doesn't really feel like it works. So I'm totally deaf in my left ear. Uh, And the other really cool story about me is I was bitten by a snake when I was 12 and I survived. So I have two epic boys called Amos and Aloysius, but we call them Banjo and Louie. Banjo and Louie. So Banjo is five. Louis is 18 months and I have my favorite person in the whole world is my lover, also husband friend. His name is Michael, but he goes by Mr. Quorum Floor. And right now I run Quorum Floor Restore. So I have online um, pregnancy, preconception, postpartum and men's exercise and education programs. I do live classes. I do coaching around motherhood. So looking at mum rage self-care, setting healthy boundaries, feelings and trust. I do birth debriefs and birth preparation chats. I do a lot around prolapse and diastasis recti and incontinence. So I do um, one-on-one chats all around that. Um, There is a lot happening in the company. We have an online store with all your pregnancy, birth, postpartum needs. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot that's decor and floor. There's a lot of free resources that I do. I did free antenatal classes. If you haven't watched them, please do. They've been watched by 70,000 people worldwide. I did them just to be kind so people would decrease their risk of birth trauma and they've been a huge hit. So they're available on my website. That is me. I don't know what else. There's so much to say. Who are you? Oh, who are you, Mel? Me. Yeah. So my name's Melanie Jackson and... And I'm allowed to call myself Dr. Melanie Jackson, but it makes me always feel funny. It doesn't feel like part of my identity, but Rachel reads that I have to embrace it. So, um, okay, so Dr. Melanie Jackson. So I'm a doctor of midwifery. So I'm still now a midwife. The bulk of my, I guess, my income comes from being a private midwife. So women hire me to be their private midwife. I mostly do home births. So um, I'm on call 24-7 and just, going out to whoever needs me. And the other part of my work currently is I run a mentorship. It's an online mentorship for all midwives in Australia who want to move from working in hospital to working as a private midwife. And it's a full year. It go, It's online um, and we meet monthly and they have email access to me. And so essentially by the time they finish the mentorship, they can they're in a fully functioning business and they have everything they need to be a private midwife here in Australia. So that's been running for two years and there's been 78 midwives who have been through that mentorship and a lot of them have gone into private practice. It actually, like, it works. Like halfway through, midwives are like, I've done it. I started the business. I've got my first client. I've set this up. I've got an ABN. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And I'm like, I can't believe it. This is working. So that's the other half of what I do. And then obviously I'm a total research nerd, so I love to express that on Instagram. And I really feel the divide between how people who are in research can access research, but then people who aren't in it can't get access to full text journal articles and don't know how to interpret research. And so one of my things that I really want to do on Instagram is actually have research, interpret it, 
and sort of try and give as much as I possibly can out for free so people can make their decisions for themselves. Okay. Um, so that's me. That's in my work life. And I have also two children. Charlie is nine and Frida is five. And we homeschool our kids. My husband also works for himself. So we kind of balance like who's going to be home with the kids at any one time. Um, they were both born at home, which just felt right because I was home birth midwife. So are mine. I should say that. Yeah. Oh, both born at home? Okay. Yeah. So babies and born if you, at home. Both of, yeah, both my boys are born at home. Banjo was a 36-weeker at home. If you want to know. And Charlie look, too. Yeah. Wow. 36-weeker. Charlie, my first, was 36-weeker at home. And I reckon that's how I learn about you because you had acupuncture during your labor. Did. Yes. Yes. I remember that was like the first time I had like any kind of entry into your life. I was like, who is this incredible woman? How did she do that? That's amazing. Wow. Because you're at 10 centimeters for a while and then you had acupuncture and birthed him. Is that right? Yes. So I had I was in labor and it had been going on for ages and he was 36 weeks. And then like the morning that I, you know, I had him in the evening, but that morning the midwife did a vaginal exam and she's like, you're 10 centimeters. But I was like, well, where are the contractions? Literally 10 centimeters dilated, no contractions. And we got, long story short, the acupuncturist came in in the afternoon and two and a half hours later, he was out. I finally got contractions back. But we have to go. I have to go to work. This has just been crazy. I know. <laughs> so good. I just want to keep talking to you. <laughs> Next episode, we are talking about models of care of the full spectrum, all the way from free birth to obstetric birth in hospitals. And we're going to go through all the philosophies and it's going to be epic. So we will see you. Next episode, be chat. We'll chat soon. Okay. The Great Birth Rebellion. Yeah, that's fine. All right, I gotta go. See you last bye. And that concludes the first episode of The Great Birth Rebellion, where you got a little bit of an insight into the life of myself and B from Core and Flora Store. If you loved this episode or want to keep listening to other episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast on all of your favorite platforms and also to our mailing list where we send out extra special information every week to the people on the mailing list. You can do that at www.melaniethemidwife.com. We'll see you in our next episode where we have a big discussion about birth philosophies, care providers, birthplace options, and everything in between. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.